Gitin, Perkhes Mishnah Vav 8.6. This Mishnah in truth has nothing directly to do with Gitin. In the previous Mishnah we had said that if a get is not valid, even with the Rabbanan, and then a woman erroneously thinks she has a good get, then she remarries, and turns out that the get wasn't good, so then basically the second marriage is invalid, and everything unwinds, and there are a series of knasot, of penalties that apply, and her children are our mamzerim from the second marriage. So this mission has a different scenario where women, again, kind of acting in good faith, not in the context of Gitan, but in a different context, um, getting remarried from their first marriage and then turning out that they weren't allowed to do that. And we're saying that the same kind of penalties and consequences that were present in the previous Mishnah apply in this case as well. So this case over here is talking about a situation of, of erroneous yibum. I'll remind you from the beginning of Masechus Yivamos, we learned the basic principle, which is that if you have uh, two brothers, let's say Reuven and Shimon, and let's say, you know, um, if, if Shimon dies and he has no descendants, no living descendants at the time of his death, so then his brother Reuven has to take um, one of Shimon's wives through Yibam, or could do Chalitza, but he could marry one of those um, widows through Yibam and build up Shimon's name through that continuation of that, that, that marriage. Now, in the beginning of Yivamos, it says that certainly if the widow in question is a relative of the living brother Reuven in such a way they're not allowed to get married, like, so, so for example, let's say Reuven had a daughter, okay? And then his brother Shimon married Reuven's daughter. So in other words, Shimon married his niece. So now, if Shimon dies without any living descendants, so his wife certainly cannot go and marry Shimon's brother because Shimon's brother is her father, can't marry your father, of course, and therefore she's exempt from the mitzvah of Yibam altogether. And the beginning of Masechus Yivamos, we see that, that there are actually 15 different relationships where that could come out, where, you know, Shimon's widow couldn't marry the brother Reuven because they are, they're Arias, there's an incestuous relationship which would prohibit that marriage. Now, further that Mishnah says that if Shimon had multiple wives, let's say A, B, and C, and let's say that A was his Shimon's, the late Shimon's brother, Reuven's daughter. So just as A can't marry Reuven, because A is Reuven's daughter, so as well, B and C don't need to do Yibam either, meaning not just A is free to go and marry whomever she wants, but also the co-wives of A, B and C, can also marry whomever they want without doing Yibam or Chalitza. In other words, there's no Yibam or Chalitza applicable whatsoever. Okay, The co-wives are called Tsaros, Okay, from like the word tsara causing causing um, difficulty and trouble, but the point is they're co-wives. So there we learned that if one co-wife is exempt, so then all the because of an existing incestuous relationship with the surviving brother, then all the widow co-wives are free to marry whomever they want, and no one needs to do yibum or chalitza. So our mission is going to say, if on the basis of that, B and C went to marry somebody else, but it turns out that the marriage between their late husband Shimon and A, Reuven's niece, excuse me, Shimon's niece, excuse me, Shimon's niece, his niece who we married, Reuven's daughter, if it turns out that marriage was actually not valid in the first place, um, so then Shimon never married his niece, therefore his niece wasn't his wife, and therefore they're just two wives, B and C, neither of which have any restrictions on doing um, Yibam with Shimon's surviving brother, Reuven, and therefore they should have done Yibum. They shouldn't have married somebody else. They should have first done Yibum with Reuven, or at least Chalitza with Reuven. One of them should have. And since neither one did, both of their marriages are invalid, 
and therefore everything has to unwind. They have to get divorced from their new husbands. They can't go back to Reuven, and everything is a big mess. Like we saw in the previous mission, the same mess would apply over here. Children being mamzerim, all the benefits and legal rights and obligations of the ksuba being null and void, etc. Okay, so how does that work? How could that happen? So the case is that when Shimon married his niece, Reuven's daughter, A, so she was still young, let's say 12 years old, which was typical in the time of the Mishnah, and they assumed that she would grow up to be a regular woman. But it turns out that this girl um, never went through puberty. She never, she's what's called an eyelonus. Uh, she had one or another type of problems where she doesn't you know, have the hormones produced that make her go through puberty to become a woman who could bear children. And Nylonist, who never reaches maturity to be able to bear children, um, is considered to be not... When, when Shimon married this girl, it was on the implicit assumption she would grow up to be a woman. Since she was not capable of ever being a woman because she had this hormonal issue, she's a Nylonist, therefore we say retroactively, Lema Freya, that marriage was never a marriage, and Reuven was never married to his niece, A. That being the case, there was no existing zestuous relationship that would exempt the Tsaros, B and C, from doing Yibam with Reuven, and therefore they should have done Yibam, but they didn't, and therefore they had to leave their current husbands and, and do um, divorce from the current husband, and also essentially do a Chalitza from Reuven, they can't marry him, and so on. So that's our Mishnah outside. Our Mishnah inside says like this, Kol mutaros. All the different incestuous relationships that A could have to the surviving brother of her late husband, we'll call that Reuven, um, of their 15 different ones, being Reuven's daughters, one of them, there are 14 other ones, and that would exempt all the Tsarosayan, all of her, her co-wives, B and C, who are all widows now, to marry whomever they want, Mutaros. If what happened was the other wives, B and C, went and married somebody else, Venimsu, and then it turns out that, in fact, Elu Alonios, um, one or more than one of Shimon's wives who we thought were exempt from doing Yibum with the surviving brother Reuben because of the incestuous relationship, turns out that they were Alonios. They're never going to become grown women, and therefore the marriage that this girl A had to Shimon never was a marriage. So then, you're left just with B and C, are the only two widows. They didn't do Yibam as they were supposed to. Um, they were over a law from the Torah of, of Yivam Lashok. They should have married done, done Yibam first, but they didn't. And therefore, the Dinah says the Mishnah, Teitze, Mize, Umize. They have to separate, leave both the, their current husband, who they married, and Mize, the other guy, Reuven, meaning they can't say, okay, Reuven, now that now that we have to, you know, we can't stay married to our husbands, well, one of us will marry you, three of them. Nope, no longer that's possible either. Meaning Reuven has to has to give them, a, do a, a, a chalitza. She has to get a get from the current husband. And um, and she can't marry either of those two people, either Reuven or the current husband, um, ever. And all of the various penalties that we saw, the consequences that we saw in the previous Mishnah regarding this invalid type of marriage, they apply here as well. The whole list from the previous mission, I won't go into them now. Okay? Now, um, one important din is lahalacha. The most significant of all of the consequences we saw in the previous mission was the one that the children that were born from the second marriage are considered to be mamazerim. Now, our mission seems to be going according to Rabbi Akiva. That's what the bartender learns. Because Rabbi Akiva holds that even a simple isra lav, not an isra karas, produces mamzerim. 
In other words, we pass in Lahallah and Alakrabikib. We say only relationships that are forbidden under penalty of karas, whatever that is exactly, divine excision, premature death, whatever it is, those are the ones which produce Mamzerim. But lesser prohibited incestuous relationships, like for example, Yevamala Shuk, which is not incestuous at all. That's just a simple love. The Torah says that this girl B and C, one of them, neither can marry anybody they want, so at least one of them does Yib Morchlitza with the Reuven. They didn't do that, so they are in violation of this Yivam Lashuk, generic prohibition, according to Rabbi Akiva, that produces Mamzerim. We Paskin, however, that's not true. We Paskin only relationships that have a penalty of Karas produce Mamzerim, and therefore, Lahalacha, um, although the other penalties would apply because the marriage that B and C created was an invalid marriage, their children, should there be any children, are not considered to be um, Mamzerim at all. They just would be, uh, you know, essentially. Uh, you know, mar- children that were whatever children—they're not—they're not, they're not mamzerim. Period. The marriage was was illegal, but the, the children are not mamzerim.